0: to do these weird wonderful science fiction um (laughs) covers it just didn't work out like that i was actually drawing as it says in the title graphs and i stuck it for about oh for months rather than years um, and thought i can't stand this i'm getting out of this job
1: ever wondered what the creative process is behind the films tv shows and theater productions you watch well, Crew Chats is a new podcast going behind the scenes and chatting to the crew that help make these productions. I'm Brune and I usually work in the costume department. Whenever I tell people what I do, they're always fascinated. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool to hear more from the wonderful people who work behind the scenes to make the films and shows we all love? Today's guest is Doug E. Hawkes, who studied illustration and fine art and worked as a graphic designer. But having had a lifelong interest in costume through his father, he began his costume career working at Leading Costume House, where he worked on a wide variety of films such as Tessa the Derbyvilles, TV shows such as Jeeves and Worcester and Agatha Christie's Poirot, and music promos for the likes of Madness and Duran Duran as a costumier. Dougie later went on to establish the 20th Century Costume House from its infancy and helped set up the 20th Century Department at the Angels Costume House too. Since 2006, he's been working full time as either an assistant designer or crowd supervisor on films such as Aladdin, Rocketman and The Gentleman. Hi Dougie.
0: Well, hi um, And <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very, very much for inviting me to be part of this um, podcast project, which I think is absolutely essential for Aww. people listening in.
1: Thank you. No, thank you for coming on. I'm very happy. I'm going to start with what your job role involves. Now, I know that you have sort of multiple um, strings to your bow, as it were. Mm-hmm. So, two that you particularly sort of have both hands in both pies, as it were. Um, so, they are assistant designer and crowd supervisor. If you could just talk a little bit about what both those titles mean, what both those job roles involve and how they sort of cross over as well.
0: Okay. Um Well, as an assistant designer, I mean, obviously it says it in the word, I assist the designer on a production. I mean, sometimes I am the designer. Sometimes I work as an assistant designer, um, more so as an assistant designer because I don't want to be 101% involved with um, meetings and production meetings. (laughs) Um, I I just feel that there's a lot of time wasted um, and lost uh at those times i mean through colleagues of mine that are designers and i've spoken to i mean they they, they've encouraged me to to stay as an assistant designer um because i can i can design i can design from the wings as it were and also i can have my eye on both crowd and principles and bring that together whether it be on set or back at the um the studio to actually um get that relevant information to the designer so that they have 100 confidence that their design their look their colors are being transmitted onto set and what um, does
1: the um, crowd supervisor element of your role involve? The, crowd super,
0: the crowd supervisor which i have done on many occasions uh, a crowd supervisor or crowd master really is to style the crowd um, and to bring together a team that will bring that forward to on set so i will crew up the people that I think are right to work with me in costume fitting situations, costume coordinating situations, um, calculating what we need and what we don't need through me um, but then bringing that to the to the set where I can actually walk away from set and be very very confident that the right things are happening um, there uh, via directions um, from the director and assistant directors of what they need and it's all a matter of confidence of their trust, their communication. Communication is is tantamount to what what we need really.
1: Yeah, it's such a an important um, skill. I think in the industry, as a, in any industry, obviously naturally it's an important thing. But I think when you're in terms of this, where so much of it is, you have to sort of leave it at some point. When, like you say, when you leave the set, you're leaving it with other people. You have to trust and have communicated efficiently I mean, what you want out sure, of them. Sure.
0: I mean, we are very, very, very lucky to have um, mobile phones we're very lucky to have radio connection. So between the radio and the mobile phone, you know, we can pretty much know what's going on at any one particular moment. But um, that, that I feel, was the most important thing. And as a, you know, as a crowd supervisor, which, are, you know, at the moment, on the production, I in mean, at the moment, um, I have a very, very good crowd supervisor that that communicates with me every single second, I would say, of the day, if I'm not there. Um, I mean, in fact, we, we have our own WhatsApp, group that is when dougie's not on set so, <laughs> so that, that's been pretty amusing over the last 12 months the um,
1: whatsapp groups are vital these days i find to sure, the working yeah. life <laughs> um so just to touch on the crowd because I think crowd when we watch a film or tv show they're all these people in the back like i'm going to use this term lightly but there are people in the background which are there to enhance a scene uh, make it realistic or add to the fantasy element of it say but people won't appreciate how much work goes into getting these people dressed whether it's period or contemporary getting them dressed and to look a certain way and then be in the place they are sure
0: yeah i mean you know you're working with the production designer and 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 set decorators Uh, being in total Communication with those to see to see what colours they've been um, directed towards, and what's what colours the, the the costume department has been directed towards via the director and and the story writers. So what what I would do with the crowd is actually go along with that, so that we, if we've got principal five or six principal actors within that scene, we're not uh, we're distributing the colour. The balance, the tone, the vibrance, Um, we're not um, treading on the on on, in the space of the principles, Um, although we're still within the same world. It's a a very, very fine balance. You can you can push it one way or the other. But I find that the crowd needs to be the wallpaper. I always call it the wallpaper, but not (laughs) disappear. Totally. We still need to see them to keep detail um, and the attention to detail within the crowd is immensely important because sometimes we're working with maybe two, three, four cameras and you never know where that camera is going to be shooting. So it's very important to, to, to get the same feel with the back of a costume as the front of a costume, you know, depth of field as far as photography is concerned. You never know where, where the focus puller will pull to.
1: So just in terms of that, how do you even start? Because there's up to, there's hundreds and hundreds of um, crowd actors and actresses that are there. Yeah. So how do you begin with, well, okay. say you're given a brief, how do you start with putting the, okay. pulling everything together?
0: Yeah, pulling it together from whether it be hiring or making. I mean, on the, on the current production that we're all on is um, a Regency production with a slight edge of fantasy towards it. But with that, that period of costume, really isn't that well supplied within a costume hire house so we were very limited of where we could hire from so we decided and we were very fortunate to have the budget but we decided to make vast vast percentage of the costume so straight from the onset i was given that opportunity to create a background my background stock on that that i actually created made with a fantastic combination of workrooms they were costumes that would be suited for a principal so all the background on that crowd are as good as a principal they whether it be from the from the top to the toe they would be as good as a principal
1: and like you said it's there's a, you have a whole team behind you which sort of helps bring it all together whether it be yeah. you know on set or in the workrooms and yeah. how important is that sort because for example, there's a jewellery department, there's an embellishing department, there's a breakdown yes. department. How do, sort of, how do you sort of communicate your overall, the overall style or look? Not necessarily just in relation to this um, well, project I you're working mean, on now, but how does that sort of work?
0: Well, I, I feel very strongly that I w- within the whole team, as it were, they all know what style I like. I mean, they, whether it be somebody who transports the costume to set... Um, We have a great group of of guys that that get, you know, build the sets, you know, build the the costume department um, tents um, and get the costumes to set. Or my coordinator, which is absolutely essential to me and my supervisor. They all know the style in which I work and they know that I am an immense detail fanatic. Um, So I will talk to everybody within within the team. People like the jewellery jewellery makers costume prop makers costume makers they all know the amount of detail i put into something so they know that i would expect that any one person on set would be able to be camera happy so that's my style it might not be everybody's style it's my style
1: no but i think it depends like i said everyone works in a very in everyone has their own process so i think it's really important that's why this podcast is quite interesting to see how different people work, work and function yeah, and how I, if, if, if everything I... comes together
0: yeah if i may may just go back a little bit and yeah of course um, when we're when we're if we set a normal period production we're talking about periodage only at the moment we use the costume hire companies around the world um as our outreach if you like i mean assistant designers designers assistant designers and they became out they become almost our assistant assistant designers if you like (laughs) because sometimes it's it's purely through a, a call or a video call um, to get something we need, whether it be in this country or or across Europe um, or in, in, into the you know into Americas, but it's they they too work as mini designers if you like to um, understand what we like. So it's absolutely essential that we as designers build up relationships with the costume companies and the costumiers that work there, so they know the kind of things that we like that 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 rock our boat and. You know, I can remember being a costumer in a costume house, and getting that sort of relationship with designers, people that I work alongside now. But, but um, as a as a costumer, knowing exactly the sort of thing that would would definitely excite them, and and then I did, of course, I didn't have the advantage of of a mobile phone any, I... with the ability of taking photographs. That's
1: true. Actually, actually, you've touched upon that, which is now coming yeah. to my second question: is how you got yeah. into this world.
0: Okay. Well, I, you know, I, I didn't intend to go into costume at all. Um, my father was one of the leading costumiers in in the world in his time, um, and so every dinner time, every dinner table conversation, um, whether I was at school age or after, was about costume, or it would involve costume, or what he'd been doing during the day in some respects so from a very 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 early age i was used to what he did because he started in costume probably probably about 1960 late 50s 1960 certainly i don't remember him doing anything else um so that was my passion that's where it came from so obviously it was there i reject you know as as you would you re- rebel against that as a as a young as a young lad and i wanted to do graphic design. I was always good at art, you know, that was the whole thing. I was a great artist through him, um, but I was a great artist and achieved great heights at school and at college. But um, I wanted to be a graphic designer, hell-bent on that. Um, <laughs> went, went to, got a job as a graphic designer um, that had a day-release system that sent me to art college. And um, the combination of the, the job and using that as a device to get trained, I became a graphic designer. Um, it wasn't all what I expected to be, designing album covers, which is the thing I wanted to do passionately as a sort of prog rock fella, follower. Um, I wanted to do these weird, wonderful, science fiction um, <laughs> album covers. It just didn't work out like that. I was actually drawing, as it says in the title, graphs, and I stuck it for about oh. months rather than years <laughs> um, and thought, I can't stand this, I'm getting out of this job. Oh, no. Um, yeah, so I gave all that up, took my training on, um, you know, the, everything I learned in the, within the training side of things and ran straight to Dad in Bermans and Nathans, as it was, was then, and said, um, I've left the job, I can't stand it. And he said, well, you can't do that. You've got to have a job, you've got to have money. So he said, you better sign yourself on here. So that was kind of back in 1979. You know, I'd had the advantage of having maybe a very short scholarship at the Royal Academy. So I learned classical drawing, you know, life drawing, still life drawing and, and three, three-dimensional construction. So I had a little bit of an insight. Into what I would the, say is your well, drawing,
1: sorry. your drawings are beautiful when you come to us with them.
0: Um, your that's illustrations
1: were very, very lovely. But my
0: communication. That's the way I communicate. If I don't communicate with words, I'll just say, this is what I want. And if, whether it's on the back of a fag packet. Or a, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. Um, that's that's the way I communicate to a maker, uh, and that's my language. um But anyway, I I, I went to Burns and Athens,
1: which we should yeah. I, if you mentioned, if you just that's a, a costume Fucking house. High.
0: It was a, a now a historical costume house yes. um, that been um, probably started in the early sixties, but 1960 maybe Berman's and then Berman's amalgamated with Nathan's who had a huge amount of history. Um, they amalgamated with those in the early seventies. Um, so between them, they had hundreds of years of uh, of costumes, stories, if you like, and, and costume stock. Um, so I, I, I joined this world, um, really didn't intend to stay there, but within a week I'd got the bug and got the passion for it. Obviously developed Unknown to me, but developed a flair. People saw that, and it just grew from there. I, I met, um, obviously working with my father, who was really st- strict with me. I can tell you, it was the I worst was, thing in the world. I was going to
1: ask you, how was that? He was
0: terrible. <laughs> he was <laughs> terrible. He was like, he was a beast to me there because obviously, oh. to him, he didn't want to seem as if he was giving me um, a hand up. Yeah, exactly. So, so he was pretty tough on me, but that was that was a good thing. And I was put alongside, he's going to, I'd love to get the true story of this. He must have hated the day it was done. But I was given um, Kenny Crouch to be an assistant to Kenny Crouch. Now that to him would have been the the worst thing ever. To me, it was the best thing ever. Because, you know, as as, as far as people in my life is concerned, someone like Kenny Crouch has been my mentor, my guru. You know, this is the guy I wanted to, have the sort of knowledge and the the mind the mind is just phenomenal so I was given I was given to be Kenny Crouch's assistant on productions back in the sort of late 70s early 80s um, such as BBC productions like when the boat comes in which were which taught me everything about real costume it it, it didn't tell me teach me about fashion but it taught me about costume that was the working class that on the street the everyday costume not high fashion I learned that gradually, and I learned that from my art studies. But it, it gave me a real, gritty, basic ability to create the real person on the street. The, in modern terms of, of actors, the, the Chris Eccleston, the Christopher Eccleston of the street, you know? Yeah. Um, and to me, that was an amazing thing. It's a gift. It was a gift. And, you know, Kenny then went out to work on, on films. I stayed in the costume house. But then I became, I took over from him, if you like, gradually. And then my the biggest thing in my life within a costume house was to be to given um, a designer like Anthony Powell to work alongside. That must have been um, amazing. Yeah, to to work on the Polanski Tesla D'Urbervilles was probably the biggest life-changing thing, you know. To be taught... What attention to detail meant. Um, it, 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 to work with Anthony Powell, Joanna Johnson, who was his assistant at the time, on a production that was, you know, heavily period-based, a Thomas Hardy novel, which I loved. Thomas Hardy, anyway. I think that set me up really for the rest of my life.
1: That gave Fantastic. you. That if it hadn't had the bug already, you would have got it yeah, by then, I imagine. <laughs> absolutely.
0: Yeah. So you know that that I that that man is can can never be replaced, really
1: massively talented yeah Um, i also also just um because some people listening may not know but um, kenny crouch is a costume supervisor just so because you did touch upon who just to give people some context
0: absolutely yeah you need to know that (laughs) we both know know him but
1: (laughs) um so you went on to obviously you said you worked at um then as it was Berman's and Nathan's sure. um has now become Angels obviously yeah. prior sort of in between I guess you did worked in the pop world yeah, so designing and styling weird. now I imagine that was sort of a little bit of a dream come true because you were into
0: your pop it I was amazing um, I mean yeah. bear in mind and they're going to hate me to say this, hope for saying this but it's um bear in mind I was working in a building that was full of old blokes <laughs> a lot of <laughs> a lot of old blokes and a few dinosaurs. Um, and um, all of a sudden the 1980s sprung up this pop culture for, for people to, you know, give themselves an identity in costume and in videos and pop promos were the thing, you know, but by 1980, 81, pop promos is where people wanted to launch their new single. Um, so this sort of ended up coming into a costume house. And all the all the guys said, oh, I don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. And I just stuck my hand up and said, I'll do it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> just as simple as that. I said, I'll do it. And what happened was a, a big transition in my life in respect that every single day was me being handed. Um, and I did this, you know, around other jobs as well. But being handed a film to design, if you like, because each one of these pop promos, each one of these bands wanted a different image for that particular song. So I was given a small budget. They, they had hardly anything, so I had to create something out of nothing. I met so many different types of people, individual characters, um, okay. people that I knew, people that I didn't know, people bands that were up and coming. And it, I was given, again, I was given something that today people i'm not privy to and i'm absolutely blessed by that grounding too um i mean if to give you a a few examples that i mean the probably the biggest the the band that i i I stayed with for a long long time and still very good friends with them now is the band madness back in 1980 these guys came to me they were kind of like nutty skinheads i suppose (laughs) (laughs) which which i was kind of there was there was an element of fear and i was very dubious about meeting these guys and i kind of Didn't want to get into any sort of political background or political talk with them, but I'd heard their music and I kind of liked their sort of Scar-based music, um, which was, you know, uh, the Scar culture at that time was really sort of becoming, yeah, yeah. madness came in and they said, you know what, we we're fed up with wearing a Fred Perry and a pair of jeans and a pair of Dr Martens, which that was their image, that was their total image from early on, and they said we want to create each song we want to do, we want to create a little movie. Um, and they said, would would you help us? And I said, yeah, all right, I can help you. I mean, what 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 ended up being? I'd, I would get costumes together for them from the costume house. But they would say to me, well, what are you doing after work? What are you doing lunchtime? So I would end up spending a lot of my time at Stiff Records, which was in <laughs> at the time, <laughs> much to my parents' dismay. And I was probably led astray quite a lot. But I I was given a budget to spend on costume hire, which was minimal and then I was given maybe another 50 quid to go out and get them some other bits and pieces from various shops to create a little image you know for that particular particular video that they probably shoot in a car park somewhere or in in a churchyard or something something as extreme as that so I got to know these guys yeah it's pretty random got to know these guys really well and you know I'd like to think I actually sort of gave them something for that was very Right for the early '80s, you know, the way they were moving ahead and went with their music, and I'm very proud of that. I'm very well, proud a, of you guys. You know, it's a
1: great skill though, as well. I think it, it's a little bit of like you require a little bit of foresight. I think generally in the sort of being in that design world, especially with something like music as well, where you don't yeah. necessarily know where it's going,
0: well, or I the, how well avan- it will do. I kind of had the advantages of being a music kind of as like. You know, part-time musician anyway. So in my spare time, I, I, I've always played music. So I was very much in that music world. So it kind of went hand in hand. It was became a bit of more of a of a hobby. But what I what what I really did uh, find from this is, depending on who I was working with, I'd put on a different mask. So <laughs> I might be I might be a sort of like a scar mod stroke skin heady sort of like vibe for madness and then the, within within you know a few days i was putting on a, a new romantic look for duran duran or bonnie tyler or you know yeah. those sort of bands which was like it was quite bizarre maybe like it made me it was maybe i'm you know it's the eccentric stupid mad person that i am now but, <laughs> but um, interesting that, is what made you probably maybe interesting boy, boy <laughs> did I see some interesting things I, um, well I can imagine in the 80s <laughs> music scene but I learned a lot of design from that um, and that, they're my designing years if you like and kind of interesting even now I use elements of that kind of new romantic stroke mod stroke gar look so I, I feel that whole pop culture um, vibe was very very important in my design career my costume career um, a, thing. yeah yeah so that, that was where I was that's 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 early 80s for you
1: I'd definitely say you had a very varied career because then you've oh. also done tv and you've done my favorite which is Poirot no, well,
0: I, oh, I love Poirot <laughs> um, it, it, it was it was a Poirot the Poirot tv series was an absolute success story in the respect that it set to me the definitive Poirot in David Suchet yes I but,
1: totally agree like no one I will no some one. people will say I thing is Albert Finney but, yeah. but I think David Suchet is the one and only I no,
0: really no of haven't. course I'm I met this guy <laughs> probably every single week of my life for 10 years I mean between 1986 and 96 that was my big production and um, each week I'd create crowd and I'd create principal costumes with the designer and it, it was it became a way of life and it's those clean cut you know, very idealistic. Um blue skies, white buildings, mm. black and white, strong colour coming in. It it did everything that the even if you think the graphics that that preceded each episode, you know, the actual design scene, you know, the, the, mm. the actual graphics that was created and the music, it was all the epitome of Art Deco and um the line of his moustache. It was it was everything that Agath, uh, to me, what Agatha Christie wanted to portray yeah yeah
1: that's what well, i well yeah i guess i'm just i just love that series i love David show which is I, i'm yeah. i'm gonna go off on a tangent so i won't but um, <laughs> <laughs> my point in mentioning that is that you have had like i said you've had a varied career you've worked in so you've done the pop the music stuff you've done the tv yeah. stuff as well yeah. and just because you touched on the title costumier in working in the costume houses, sure. but what does being, because you have touched upon again what you've actually had to do, but what does it involve on a day-to-day basis? What would your job involve?
0: Exactly right. You're good good point. I can only speak to my, for myself. But I don't know what guys do now really that much. But at any one time when I was working at Berman's and Nathan's or Angels later on or 20th Century Costumes when we set that particular company up, I was probably working on, I don't know, seven, eight to ten different productions per week. So there might be three commercials. There might be two major feature films and there might be seven TV series. So who knows what what you'd have to do each time you would have to put that one down and pick up another one. You would become wholly 100 percent involved with that production. So. If your designer or your crowd supervisor came in to see you, you were working, as far as they were concerned, you were working on nothing else. So it's quite a difficult job as far as balancing your devotions, if you like, to those particular productions. But it gave me, as a costumier, the most wonderful palette of colour um, and, and varied work to see myself through every week. It makes my job now a whole lot easier because I'm concentrating on one production (laughs) Um, so my grounding might you know when I say when I speak to to youngsters who want to go into the business I will 100% say there is no better way than to work for some years within a costume hire company it doesn't matter where it is whether it's in the UK whether it's in Spain whether it's in Italy whether it's in America wherever you can get your chance that is your training and there is no better training because your life will be varied you'll be given one day you'll be given um a a piece of medieval uh costume to create the next day it might be a a postman the next day it might be um queen elizabeth you know it could be so varied that you it teaches you to research it teaches you to look at costume it teaches you to feel fabrics it teaches you to create something that really isn't in your hands but you could manufacture it with something else it teaches you to work with other departments so there is no better grounding than working through a costume hire company i don't care where it is they're all brilliant brilliant places that are there for us to to use um, and to use as training and to use as designers outside the business for their knowledge and their history because they know their stock um, and my advice, if somebody wanted to do that, to get in there on a training system, a training scheme if you can, or talk to somebody within a costume hire company to get some placement there. Um, and, and don't just um, expect to be there for a few months, then go out and be a designer. Go in there and, and learn learn for a, maybe a, at least a year, two years, three years to really feel the, the nuts and bolts of a company. And the way a team can work together, that's so important. And that, I will stress that because it is so important. And, and that really, it, 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 it means a lot to me as far as what I've learned in the past. And it also it means a lot to me in, in, in respect of people that I, I like to take on as crew. I like to know that they've had some sort of contact with costume houses um, because then they realise
1: yeah, you get that varied training, I guess, don't you? From like, for example, say from steaming a hat to then also oh, then just gosh, yeah. pulling costumes that you know that work for the period. I guess you get and,
0: and and getting a needle and cotton out and and you know. I'm oh yeah, and sewing
1: for cotton. Yeah, that bit. I'm important.
0: Stuff That's so important. <laughs> you know, so important to to create some because you know the the top costumers that are in costume houses now are true designers in their own right. You know, they really are because they design for the designers they create something on a hanger perhaps that when it comes to you is an inspiration or should be an inspiration so yeah that's that's a big message for me i'm afraid that, that's, that's, that's one very, of my things
1: very valuable message and as you touched upon the relationship with the designer how as a costumier and then as currently in your role as well actually how do you sort of work with a designer to fulfill their vision as it were
0: well i mean really get to know them get to know from from your first costume fitting you know what ticks all their boxes what what makes them light up because it's, it's the only way to, to see when you search through boxes, through rails, through um, lockers to know what you're going to bring back to them that they they get excited about that actually makes that costume fitting with an actor light up. They leave that costume fitting with something they're happy with. Um, it's, 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 it's it's a great relationship. Um, and of course, it's it's a great basis for people To then ground themselves to a future outside the, you know, the the higher industry. Yeah, a lot of people
1: that work in the in the higher world do end up sort of going into the design world, don't they? So I think it's a a natural. You must pick up a natural set. uh, You pick up a set of skills, obviously, which are really then useful. I was going to ask, what has been your most creatively challenging thing to work on, which then you've thought, how am I going to do this, and which has then come together in a way you couldn't have imagined.
0: Oh, that's hard. Sorry, please spot. Well, no, it's not. It's <laughs> not on the spot because there are so many. Um, I think as a as a real purist, and and I, you know, I, I could put myself in those inverted commas as a purist, and that's my the hardest thing for me to escape from that purism into pushing the realms of design into towards fantasy if you like or something that's not been seen because um, yeah. my, my other thing is if you're designing something it's something that really hasn't been seen if you're not, if you're designing and recreating history it should be exactly that you're recreating history yeah. and some jobs via the director require that they require you to recreate history but other des, you know other job via the director require you to push the boundaries into something that hasn't been seen so i suppose the most challenging jobs would be that and, you know, at the moment, I mean, with, with Regency, but pushing Regency towards a very modern concept on that very stylized period is quite a challenge. I've probably been given the most free hand in all my career at the moment to actually produce um, costumes from a drawing through research to a maker to being put on on an actor and actress's back you know it's it's so that is quite challenging in the respect that i'm trying to push it you know with a with a design team uh, and create something that's not been seen yeah uh, so this is probably the most challenging time i would say oh, that's um, Interesting. yeah and, and and it's not just using something that's fresh in my mind it's um it's <laughs> I, I i believe it you know i really believe it um you know any other sort of science fiction or fantasy jobs that i've worked on has, have been challenging but they've my challenge has been given to me if you like it's not been a, i've not been allowed to um edify it or add to it so this this i would say is the most challenging
1: that's pretty interesting i think it i think it's really interesting because oh, i've said interesting a lot but the thing that i think i think you've touched upon it without directly touching upon it and other people that, I've spoken to have touched upon it as well. The variety you get in this job is one of the highlights of it. There are many highlights, but um, the variety of the day to day are one of the highlights. I think personally as well, there's no job is the same either. I think even if you go from one period to one period film to another period film, there's so many different variances and different ways to approach
0: creating yeah, that vision true to say that i am more comfortable in a period than i, I was am gonna ask behavior. you that was my next question i've led you into it but it, it's um i feel comfortable with that and um i have a lot to offer in my costume history knowledge with with that so i, be, I become a, a library if you like rather than a designer but working you know certainly working with the design team but i'm working with right now i'm very privileged to work with like great young fresh minds and be a part of that and i just you know that that been again the first time i've really been given that opportunity
1: yeah so you get a different take on things as well that's
0: yeah i'm afraid i'm the old boy in the team to be honest (laughs) (laughs) but i am and I feel sometimes I, don't, I feel like I'm still back in those pop promo days at the age of twenty or twenty
1: five. Oh, um, I'm sure everyone does. No, I don't think your age is a thing. I don't think <laughs> I, don't, I think oh it's an dear. asset. I think it's an asset. How differently do you deal with a period production in comparison to say that something more contemporary?
0: Yeah, well, it's it's kind of something that I didn't know how I'd deal with it really until it was like landed on my lap. Uh, it, I, I suppose that the nearest I got to it were in a in a costumier sort of sense spent a lot of time working on a production called our friends in the north which was christopher christopher eccleston and daniel craig uh-huh. and that that production i think i probably worked on that probably late 80s i can't remember for sure now this is awful. i should really know but it was kind of say it began in the kind of like mid 70s so it wasn't that far away and it certainly went up to present day um, So I was dealing with something that wasn't too far away in history and then came up to contemporary. So I was I was dealing with a more contemporary look then. um, And that was was my first taster at it. And I kind of I got pigeonholed and never did anything contemporary for a long, (laughs) long time. I was pigeonholed in the 1920s and 30s um, up to 50s for obvious reasons of doing the Off Poirot and <laughs> Honestly, I just couldn't get out of it. Everybody said, oh, but you only do 30s, do I said, well, hang on a minute. Actually, I don't. Um, <laughs> but it's very kind of you to say so. It's very kind of you to want me to style your production. But, um, you know, it was like, it was Miss Marple. It was Poirot. It was Jeeves and Worcester. And it was like Campion. It was a, a lot of CV series that were being churned out at that particular period and I got pigeonholed so I didn't do anything contemporary at all and I wasn't considered for anything contemporary um, until really within the last few years um, I worked alongside very luckily to, to be allowed to work alongside Michael Wilkinson again from from Aladdin uh, from meeting him yep. on Aladdin to work on um, a Guy Ritchie movie called The Gentleman which was really it was right up to date 2020 but street costume Real people, real gangland then 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 bridging towards aristocracy. it was all about drugs and it was all about um, <laughs> it was all about um, the aristocracy covering the drug racket and being the money behind it um, and it was a typical Guy Ritchie type layer cakes kind of movie, but I thought, what am I doing here um, when I was first given it michael Michael believed in me, Michael wanted me to do it with him, um, and you know what it was it was the most amazing job to work on, oh. to learn street contemporary costume through somebody who had who has a great design eye. and But the colour in there and the design in there was really pushing um, the contemporary costume boundaries, I thought.
1: It's, it's interesting that you say that because I think one of the previous guests, we also had a conversation about um, yeah. how contem- it's quite hard to, to design something contemporary because yeah. it needs to feel so much more real. Um, and we're living yes. through it we most of us watching will probably we should be able to see ourselves in a way in that or someone we know or just it should just be relatable to a degree because it is oh, the sure, co- yeah. here and now why how it's so much more difficult to sort of um fulfill that vision i guess which and i think it's so important when it goes right because and i think you touched upon the point earlier where if it goes well it, you shouldn't notice yeah
0: contemporary crowds for for contemporary background if you're talking about a crowd really you shouldn't notice it at all um, because they should be like you know you should be w- walking along a, a high street or going into a supermarket you should just you don't you you look at the product you don't look at the people so with that it taught me to 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 lose people in the background but obviously you, you, if you get them wrong they stand out so the skill is actually getting your background to disappear uh, and then the eyes to be on the principles with 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 the gentleman it was um uh, what can i say um uniform if you like in respect that. People wore styles of clothing to suit what they were. So you know, it was kind of like I knew of it, but it was kind of really new to me. And a lot of research done with Michael, and a lot of looking at real people in out, out in the out in the field, as it as it were. And and that's how we got those sort of like characters. Um, it was fabulous, fabulous job to work on. It was blooming hard work, believe you me. And really, <laughs> I think it was great. I, I, I'm really proud of it. Really proud of it. Um, in the same respect, I would be proud of a period production. Mm-hmm.
1: Like you said, you tend to be people tend to be pigeonholed, so I think it's nice when you go on say something from period, and then on to something contemporary, and it's just as uh, gratifying, I guess, as well. Sure. I mean, there, there are real, the
0: there are people that are really just so good at contemporary productions out there as well, and you know, each for their own as well. And I think that's that that's important that people have those skills and those you know their the, the set ways um i mean i you know it was without a doubt that i you know i as i said i feel comfortable with period productions and as simple as that it, it you opinion. know it excites me a straight away
1: well i was gonna say that's the important thing that's probably it's something that gets you gives you a buzz and excites you yeah. and i think that's why we do the job we do we are very lucky to be in the creative field um so we are coming to the end of the podcast but just before we do end you have your favorite recommendations for us
0: okay all right okay i think for pure costume and pure elegance, and if someone's you know someone's out there as a as a trainee costumier wanting to get a real buzz from costume, I don't think you could beat Death in Venice. Visconti's Death in Venice is just a dream. It's dream in acting. It's a dream in its sensitivity. It, it's sensitivity in the costume design. Um, it's Piero Tosi that that designed the costumes for that and. It has that continental elegance that I just think it's never been matched. So Death in Venice is gotta be one of my all-time favourites out there to look at. um, Add it to my list. Pure, pure eye candy. You've got to see it. It's pure eye candy. As far as cinematography, as far as costume, and as far as acting, it's you know the whole direction, the softness of it all is just wonderful. So it's a real classic. So definitely watch that. If you want to look at crowd at its absolute best, and I would like to think that one day someone might say that about me, but if you want to look at crowd, it's absolute, absolute best. There's a, an American film called Sea Biscuit, which is about a racehorse. And if you watch that movie, I guarantee you can watch every inch of crowd. You can stop frame it if you like. And <laughs> each one of them is perfectly, perfectly dressed and that is and one amazing credit to those people that dressed that um not not necessarily the costume designers so much but the dressers and the costume supervisors on that it's just perfection um and i i've currently i just watched current war which was i worked on as an assistant with a, with a great friend of mine and um and again a michael wilkinson film but i've looked at that because it was it hasn't been released properly because it was a, um, a Weinstein movie. Uh, but okay. it's, it's out there to watch on Netflix, I believe, at the moment. It's heavy going because it's about Edison, you know, the, the lighting engineer. Oh, uh, is this
1: the Benedict
0: Cumberbatch? Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, but, but the crowd just- in that, I've just watched the crowd in that, and it's pretty close, so I'm quite proud of that one. Um, but but for pure crowds, Seabiscuit is an absolute must. Television, my absolute contemporary production, but television for pure cinematography Pure direction and pure acting and pure costume, actually, is the night manager. Um, oh, so Tom, good. It's so good. It, it had me on the edge of my seat all the time. I wanted to see the next one. Tom Hiddleston, Hugh Laurie. It's that kind of gangster world, that mafia world. I loved it. The edge, it was almost that is what I was going to say earlier on about Poirot the Art Deco, straight, clean cut edge against blue, against white, against colour. It came across in The Night Manager. And if you watch that for cinematography, it's just purely amazing. Yeah, um, so one of my favorites. Could watch that again and again and again. Can um, I say, so Once Upon a Time in America, great movie, Al Pacino, great costume design, great music, Ennio Morricone. I mean, you know, what more can I say? That's a, if you want to look at 1920s Gangster World, that's the one um, for me. And I have to follow my great pal Pasha in saying, <laughs> edward scissorhands for pure fantasy because you know the others are more realistic if you want to go towards fantasy and really good design color design fantasy in costume and shapes and and you you know pushing a period to the to the extreme really edward scissorhands is amazing i love it i never ever tire of watching it
1: it is a it is a very good film if you watch
0: if you watch edward scissorhands and then watch death in death in venice you'll see the same you know the, the same level of softness beautifulness. i mean archi- oh, you've got to watch death in venice or I, now.
1: <laughs> I, I think i do there's a lot you've of got these, to um, I've, just, I've got to, there's quite a few things i've got to watch now i've got, i'm making a really <laughs> very long list for myself
0: yeah. um
1: thank you very very much dougie for being on the podcast i really an absolute it.
0: delight an absolute pleasure i've ah. enjoyed every minute of it i could probably talk for another hour i was gonna
1: say i think um, we need to do a party <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think for everybody i mean from what i've heard so far i think for everybody but um <laughs> here's to the future hey that's what Yay! I say.
1: thank you so much Pleasure. thank you for listening and i hope you enjoyed that conversation with dougie tune in for the next episode where i'll be speaking to script supervisor sue hills on what her role involves bye